Hello and welcome to episode number 68 of the AFTV newscast being recorded January 13th, 2017. My name is Elias Saba and this is where I talk about the week's Fire TV news. I run AFTVnews.com. It's basically the, the biggest Fire TV related dedicated somewhat or another site on the internet. And so this is where I talk about all the, the stuff that's happened in the last week. This is the first episode of 2017. Sorry about missing last week, but as I mentioned in the previous episode, I was going to CES and I did go to CES. I just got back a a little while ago and uh, I'll definitely be talking about it. This will basically be the big kind of CES roundup show. Uh, I don't plan to release any separate video like I was kind of talking about last episode because I didn't really record that much video at CES or that much good video at least. Uh, Definitely learned a lot by going there but definitely did not come back with a lot of good video unfortunately. So I'll definitely be talking about the big announcements from CES uh, specifically the Fire TV edition televisions basically the the actual televisions running uh, Fire OS on them. Also be talking about the Nvidia Shield. I got a chance to get you know, hands-on with both of those things. And so we'll be talking about those in detail, talking about a few other things here and there. Before I get into those uh, specific topics, I will talk about just CES kind of in general. It was the first time I ever went to CES. Uh, Pretty much didn't know what the heck I was doing there. Uh, Learned a lot. That's probably the most I got out of the trip is learning a lot for future potential CES visits and and, and trips. The show itself is just absolutely hectic. I, I had no idea it was just so massive. I mean, I went there literally with no plan whatsoever. I I live in Los Angeles. Vegas is about a four-hour drive, so I literally just got up that morning. I booked a room uh, a few nights before that because I kind of was still deciding whether I should go or not. Booked a room a few nights before that. Got up Wednesday morning, which was the first like media day, and I'm, I'm technically a media person who who goes there. That's how I got my pass. And so I, I, I drove there Wednesday morning, woke up, basically hit the road at 4 a.m., got there at like 8 or 9 or so, pretty much when they when the show opened or when the media day opened and nothing was ready. <laughs> I mean, I thought maybe media day meant that things are ready, but the media comes in and gets to see them ahead of time before like the general public gets to go in. But pretty much media day means go in, talk to people if you have appointments and that sort of stuff because everybody's already in town but nothing is pretty much ready to see and so that was a bit of a a shock I definitely did not get to see as much as I wanted to see as as much as I was hoping to see I definitely saw the two things that I definitely wanted to see which was that Fire TV Edition television and the uh, Nvidia Shield console the the new one so those were the two big things those are the two things that I think are most relevant to you guys so I made sure to, to see those actually like I dedicated an entire day just to make sure to to get as much of those two products in as as I could and so that took away of my general just walking around the floor and actually seeing other devices uh, I did get to see a few other things that are kind of relevant to you guys some some antenna related things from Mohu some echo speaker related things from a company called link play so I'll be talking about those in brief but let's go ahead and jump right into the fire TV edition televisions so a couple hours after I arrived at CES Amazon pretty much uh, made the announcement that I essentially talked about in detail last episode and predicted last episode in that they are teaming up with television manufacturers to have uh, TVs that ship with the Fire OS that runs on the Fire TV by default. So the TV manufacturers that Amazon has teamed up with at least in this initial release or the first release of what they're calling Fire TV Edition televisions. You know, that's kind of the official name, Fire TV Edition. So if you see a television that says it's Fire TV Edition, then that means it has Fire OS, you know, basically as the operating system there is no other interface there's no other anything on the tvs itself 
so the the manufacturers that they teamed up with are Westinghouse, Seiki, and Element. And actually, those three brands are all manufactured by the same company. That manufacturer is a Chinese manufacturer called Tongfang uh, Global, I believe is the official name of the company. But basically, they produce all of the Westinghouse, Seiki, and Element TVs, and maybe even a, a few others. So really, there's only one launch partner for these Fire TV Edition televisions, um, even though they're going to be available in three different brands. The TVs I saw there were actually all completely identical, even though some of them had, were called Westinghouses, some of them were called Seiki. Uh, the hardware, the actual like frame of the TV, everything was identical, literally except for the brand label on the TV. So you can essentially think of this as just one television manufacturer that is teaming up with Amazon to release these Fire TV Edition TVs. Uh, Amazon is definitely planning to release uh, more Fire TV Edition TVs or actually partner with other manufacturers to release uh, more Fire TV Edition televisions, but for now it's only this one manufacturer under these three brands. So thankfully because I was at CES I got a hands-on demo of the TVs or a few of them that they they had there displayed. So I got a good overview of what changes to FireOS were made so that it works well on a TV. So there are going to be four different sizes initially, a 43 inch, a 50 inch, a 55 inch, and a 65 inch. Again these sizes are all going to be available in all three of the different brands. I talked to one of the uh, Tongfeng global reps uh, about you know the three different brands and basically he says that different brands sell better in different stores or different environments so some of these brands are going to be available online while others might be only in store some might be only at Target for example I think he said Westinghouse sells well at Target whereas others are only going to be available maybe in, all, in like a Walmart or a Best Buy or something and I think he said Element like sells well in Best Buy if I'm not mistaken so so even though there are different brands and they're going to be available in different locations you know, all, I imagine that all four of these sizes plus all of the different brands are not, you know, so basically 12 different technical, you know, SKUs or, or products are, are not all going to be available through Amazon, uh, actual.com. And so you're only going to be able to order a certain brand from Amazon when the time comes. They didn't really release uh, any info about a solid release date for these. They basically just said like middle of 2017-ish. Uh, so I'm not quite sure when they're actually going to be released. All of the TVs are 4K UHD, so with a resolution of 3840 by 2160, the standard 4K resolution, basically. None of them support HDR. Uh, I did hear a little bit about a potential 65-inch HDR possibly coming out later, but they did. They definitely officially did not say anything about HDR there, so none of these TVs initially, these four sizes, are going to have HDR capabilities. As far as the actual nitty-gritty specs of of the TVs themselves. Uh, inside, they, they didn't say exactly the clock speed of the processor inside, but they said it's fairly powerful, on par with the Fire TV 2, and it's gonna be a quad-core processor. And from what I could tell, it was snappy. It was as snappy as the Fire TV 2. There was no sluggishness. And what, what the OS was doing is more you know CPU and horsepower intensive than just a regular Fire TV box because it has that TV tuner built in and it has the ability to actually show live channels from over the air and so they've integrated that very nicely into the actual OS itself. Uh, after I talk about the specs I'll definitely be talking about the actual integration and the new features of the OS. The TVs all have 3 gigabytes of RAM uh, regardless of the size that you get and 16 gigabytes of internal storage. Now that's better than the Fire TV 2 which only has the 2 gigabytes of RAM and 8 gigabytes of internal storage. So based on the fact that it's a quad-core processor, good amount of RAM, good amount of internal storage, a dedicated GPU also they, they said 
said it's a ARM Mali multi-core GPU. That's the only information I could get. But based on all of that, it seems like it's going to be uh, you know as powerful as the Fire TV 2. One of the Amazon reps actually told me that it will be able to play, it being, being the TVs themselves, they'll be able to play all of the games that the Fire TV 2 can play. And so there are a lot of games that the Fire TV 2 can play that like the Fire TV Stick can't play and even the Fire TV uh, 1, I believe, there are some games that it can't even handle because the Fire TV 2 you know, has more horsepower than, than any of those other devices. So it definitely seems like they're not cutting corners with actual raw horsepower, which is great to see because a lot of times these, these smart TVs have like a dated or a weak uh, CPU in there, you know, integrated graphics, nothing dedicated. And so you end up with like a sluggish interface. That's absolutely not the case with these new uh, Fire TV Edition televisions, as far as I could tell. Of course, being uh, 4K televisions, the uh, hardware inside is capable of HEVC decoding, and so there's no problems there. You'll be able to get that H.265 uh, decoded video going through it just fine. Uh, as far as ports go, there are four HDMI 2.0 ports that are capable of 60 hertz at 4K or 120 hertz at 1080p and below. So good specs there. Again, that's higher specs than the Fire TV 2 has itself because it's only capable of uh, 30 frames per second at 4K and then it does the 60 for uh, 1080p and lower. There's also a full-size SD card slot and also two USB 3.0 ports on the TV itself. Uh, I could not find out whether you were going to be able to store apps, actual Fire TV OS apps onto either the SD card or a USB flash drive like you can on the Fire TV 2 with the micro SD card or the Fire TV 1 with the uh, USB port. So none of nobody there could tell me for sure whether you'll, you'll be able to move games over, but I suspect at least one of those two external storage options will be able to support moving games onto or moving apps in general uh, onto external storage. Other ports that all the TVs will have is a gigabit Ethernet port. So again, another spec bump over what the Fire TV 2 has to offer. So just, you know, I, I hope you're noticing this theme. So in, in general, they're basically specking these at a level above the Fire TV 2 as far as actual ports and as far as, you know, the hardware seems to be. Again, we don't know the exact clock speed or, or the actual benchmark capabilities of the GPU and the CPU in there. But I suspect since everything else seems to be like at Fire TV 2 levels or above that I expect the GPU and the CPU in there is going to be pretty powerful. As far as audio, the TVs have optical audio out and a headphone jack 3.5 millimeter audio out uh, built right in. They've also got uh, one component port. Uh, so that's the, the red, green, blue port with the two uh, left, right audio jacks. And that, that port actually can also be used as composite video if you've still got some old devices there that only connect through composite. And then lastly, the uh, port on there is going to be a coax cable port basically for your external uh, HD antenna for the built-in TV tuner. For connectivity, uh, apart from the actual Ethernet port, the TVs have 802.11 ABG and AC uh, dual band, dual antenna built in. So Wi-Fi is rock solid on there. It's pretty much as, as good as it can get. Also have Bluetooth 4.1 with that low power the thing that LE spec on there. And so you'll be able to connect uh, keyboards, mice, uh, game controllers, headphones, all via Bluetooth, the same way you can do so on all of the uh, Fire TV boxes, pretty much. So one thing about the actual USB ports, so the TVs they had there demoing, they had a Ethernet, a USB Ethernet adapter plugged into the USB port of the television itself. Uh, they also had a, a Ethernet 
cord plugged into the TV's Ethernet adapter also, but the uh, USB adapter was being used, I assume, as a uh, a backup internet connection so that if the, the actual like convention center's uh, Ethernet or internet went down, they had a backup that was, I think, going through cellular or 4G or something. Um, so the fact that the USB port can actually take a Ethernet adapter uh, means that it's probably not going to be locked down or anything like that. So you'll probably be able to plug in USB peripherals. I expect you'll be able to plug in uh, USB storage storage for external access you know nobody said anything about actually running Kodi or anything like that on there but I expect you'll be able to sideload apps just normally because the, the Fire OS that was running on there is basically the same Fire OS that you know you see on the Fire TV boxes there wasn't that much different they only had extra features there I didn't see anything that was removed from the TV so I suspect if you plug in a hard drive into these TVs USB ports you'll be able to access that from any app including Kodi or Mr. MC or SPMC or anything like that a real quick correction I said two USB 3.0 ports it's actually one usb 2 and one usb 3 so that pretty much covers it as far as technical specs for the tvs go and again all sizes are going to have the exact same guts on the inside exact same ports you know as far as uh it is right now uh things could change down the line when these things actually get released but for the most part they said that the internals the specs were all locked in uh things that could change might be the remote or the actual casing itself but i expect that ports and actual internal specs are all going to be uh uh, basically what was displayed at CES. As far as the actual remote goes, if you're watching the video version here, you could see uh, the image of the remote itself. Very similar to the Fire TV remote. I actually suspect that the remotes being used there were actually manufactured by Amazon just because they were absolutely so similar to the Fire TV box remotes or the, the voice remotes that come with the Fire TV and the Fire TV stick. Uh, don't know whether they're going to be Wi-Fi based or Bluetooth based. I suspect it's going to be Bluetooth based, but I'm not completely sure. The remote itself is a voice remote with Alexa capabilities, of course, because it's Fire OS in there. The main difference between the remote for the TVs and the remotes for the Fire TV boxes is that these remotes have a volume buttons on them and uh, power buttons. Again, very likely that the remotes themselves are going to change before the actual uh, TVs themselves ship. So these are kind of just prototype remotes. Again, this is why I suspect the remotes were made by Amazon. The hardware, the TV was made by the actual TV manufacturer and they've kind of mated them together for the demo for CES. But I expect that the the TV manufacturers themselves will probably manufacture the remotes also and will probably change it a little bit by the time they actually ship to consumers. So at CES, I got a full demo of basically the, the entire OS, uh, mostly concentrating on the new features that have been added to Fire OS so that these Fire TV edition televisions can function with Fire OS as their main operating system. It's, it's not like it. Fire OS is an app that you launch within the TV's OS or the TV's app launcher or anything like that. This is a complete OS replacement for the TV's operating system itself. So all of the uh, actual settings that you would expect to have from a TV, like changing the display, the color, the brightness, uh, inputs, that sort of stuff, TV tuners, uh, TV guide, all of that is built into Fire OS uh, by Amazon. So talking to the TV manufacturer themselves, they said they pretty much had nothing to do with the software. They created the hardware. They followed kind of the specs that Amazon laid out for them for the hardware, you know, to, so that it worked well with with Fire OS, 
but Amazon themselves completely built the OS. Uh, I talked to some of the engineers that were there. Some of the uh, software engineers from Amazon were actually there at CES. So I talked to them, talked to, about the little aspects that they actually created that was new for the TV OS. So definitely the uh, the software is not going to be some some clunky version of Fire OS that looks like Fire OS but really isn't Fire OS on the background. Not nothing like that. This is full on Android Fire OS running on these TVs, you know, just right out of the gate. So the interface that these Fire TV edition televisions are running is very similar, almost identical to the Fire OS interface that just got started rolling out the the new one that is with just a few differences. So of course the main difference is that these TVs have a built-in TV tuner and so Amazon has added TV tuner support into Fire OS. On the home screen, there's a new row called On Now, and that's basically going to highlight the different channels that your the built-in TV tuner picked up over the air. Each channel that the TV tuner picks up will actually be treated almost as its own app. So it will have its own square there, and you can scroll through them, and it'll show you an image of what's currently airing on the actual channel itself. So the actual channel icons themselves, they have this little bar at the very bottom. Uh, by channel icons, I mean the little squares that appear on the home screen of Fire OS. They have a little bar at the bottom, and that bar shows you the progress of the show or the program that's currently airing live on that channel. So you can just at a glance from your home screen, basically just see what's airing right now on all the different channels and how far into the program it is. You know, if it's a movie, for example, that's airing on ABC or something, you'll be able to see whether the movie just started or is halfway through or is about to end or, or something like that. One really nice aspect that I liked is when you actually uh, move the cursor over any of the channels or any of the little square channel icons on the home screen, the top right corner of the interface, of the Fire TV interface, where normally you would just see like a static image, that actually changes into a live preview of that channel. It was a very slick aspect, in my opinion, of the OS. Very nice addition. They could have easily just had a, a, an icon there and then just have like the channel label or the channel logo appear in the image, but instead they made it functional you know they use that space in a, in a great way so I really like that aspect of it also didn't notice any stuttering so when you're moving across those icons those channel icons that that live video feed it takes about a second or two to actually switch you know once you switch from one channel icon to another it takes about a second or two for that video stream to actually you know switch over to the new channels live feed but it gives you a nice little preview so you can see is it a commercial is it the show that you're thinking of is it an episode of something that you've already seen or is it a new episode, you know, all from right there from the home screen of the Fire TV. Of course, because there is now TV tuner support and live TV channel support, Amazon has added a very basic TV guide or, or program guide to the Fire TV. You can jump into it, I think, by pressing the menu button at any point when you're like hovering over one of those live channels. And then uh, one of the options is channel guide and you'll jump in. Uh, Amazon said there's going to be two weeks worth of program information available on the guide. So you'll be able to see two weeks from the, you know, the current date on to see what's going to come on later. There's no DVR capability, so you can't like set, uh, you know, tell it to record a certain channel at a certain time. There's no recording in that sense. But when you are watching an actual TV program, you can hit the pause button and actually it, it will pause live TV and just keep that buffer recorded. Uh, I tried to get an idea of how long you could leave, some, uh, you know, live TV paused, but I couldn't get a solid answer there. The closest I got was that it will depend on how much internal space is available on on the actual uh, TV itself. So you've got that 16 gigabytes internal storage. Obviously, some of that is going to be used. A few gigs is going to be used by the OS itself and then apps and stuff. Um, but possibly the entire rest of your
your available storage could be used to buffer live TV potentially. And so that's really, really nice there. While you're actually watching live TV, you can press the, I believe, up button, just like you can press the uh, up button for the X-ray feature on the Fire TV if you're watching like an Amazon video. But when you're watching live TV, when you press the up button, you actually get like a very small, slim uh, channel guide. And so it'll show you what's coming up next on the channel that you're currently watching. And you can actually flip through different channels, basically those those squares. It's the same squares that appear on the home screen. So you get an image of what the program is. You get to see uh, that little bar at the bottom that lets you know the, the progress of the actual program that's currently airing. And so, you know, while you're watching live programming over the air, you can actually see uh, information on other channels so you can easily flip into one of those without having to jump back into the program guide. Uh, if you do jump into the program guide, as you can hopefully see here with the actual, uh, uh, if you're watching the video with this image, uh, if you're watching live TV and then you jump into the program guide, there is a live picture in graphic, they call it, uh, a live display in the bottom right corner of that channel. So while you're browsing through the program guide, you'll still be able to see what's currently airing on the last channel that you were just watching. So so again, really nice feature. You know, little, little things like that just add a nice polish to it and show you that Amazon didn't just kind of, you know, half-ass this interface and add the bare minimum just to get it working. They actually thought about what was needed and what would make a good, you know, over-the-air live TV interface for Fire OS. So the last thing I'll mention about the actual live over-the-air capabilities of the TV is that, uh, again, uh, I want to emphasize that the channels themselves, all of your different over-the-air channels, you can almost treat them as apps because when you watch a channel, a specific channel using the, the these Fire TV Edition televisions, that channel icon will appear in your recent row on the home screen. So alongside Netflix or alongside an app or a game or some streaming TV show you watch through Amazon, you'll get channels that show up. So you can easily jump back into a channel and jump you know, into a streaming program or jump into a game. It's all kind of blended together in a single interface. So it's not like there's a separate TV app and then you have to jump into the TV app and then everything lives inside of there. It, it, they actually bring it out and bring each individual channel into Fire OS. So it's a, just a very nice way of watching live TV, I think, um, you know, and, and blending it together with all of the different streaming options and all the different other aspects of Fire TV's OS. So those live TV capabilities are basically the main, uh, you know, chunk of new additions that Fire OS received so that it would work here on the uh, these Fire TV edition televisions. But of course, there are other menu options uh, I didn't really go over in my overview. Of course, I'll put a link down below to, to this article that I wrote in more detail going over all the different aspects of the, the new additions for the Fire TV Edition OS. But of course, because it is a TV, there are all those different inputs. You've got those four uh, HDMI inputs. You've got the antenna. You've got component. You've got composite. Um, and so in the settings area of Fire OS, now the first option is called inputs. And when you go into there, you can see all of your different inputs. Inputs, and you can actually go in and label your different inputs whatever you want you know one example they gave was blu-ray another one was like uh, xbox so if you have those two devices plugged into this tv you can label those inputs you know so that it's easier to to see what each input is connected to uh, the benefit of labeling those inputs is then you can actually use alexa on the remote to actually request to launch into an input 
So instead of having to go to settings, go to input, scroll through, find the input that you want for your Xbox, for example, you just basically pick up the remote and say change inputs to Xbox or, or start Xbox. I, for, I forget the exact phrasing of the Alexa command, but you know that's probably going to be the best way for you to actually change inputs. And again, just like the, uh, the over-the-air channels, your inputs actually appear on the home screen in your recent section uh, in their own icon as if they were like an app, you know, or as if they were a, a streaming TV show or a movie that you just watched so again you can very easily jump into your xbox jump into you know streaming the grand tour or jump into your abc over the air channel it's all going to be right there on that recent row on the home screen so again that was the most impressive thing about it is that it all kind of blended together nicely it wasn't like each individual thing was siloed you know if they didn't do the whole blending on the home screen then it would be like you had to you had to go into the tv guide to get to your live channels or you had to go into settings and to input to get to your xbox for example you know but having it all there on the home screen blended together it, it doesn't matter whether you want to watch something on a blu-ray player or watch something streaming directly from amazon or jump into your netflix app or watch something live over the air it all just fits there on that home screen so that's pretty much the big takeaway for for me for, for seeing these and getting to to mess with them hands on at ces is that you know if you've got a fire tv box you know the capabilities of these are pretty much identical except for that over the air and that input integration and so that is why this is kind of more of a complete package you know for you know your home entertainment system because otherwise you're basically leaving fire os to access anything that anything else that's external or access any over-the-air channels uh, there are of course uh, services like tableau and hd home run that let you bring in over-the-air channels into fire os itself but definitely not as clean of an integration as amazon has created here overall i'm impressed you know i was expecting uh, these to come out or be announced much later in the year. It was, it was very surprising that they got announced so early this year. I mean, just last week I was talking about how I was predicting this for 2017 and thinking it's going to happen, you know, mid-2017, something like that. But um, we don't know exactly when these TVs are going to come out, so it could still be mid-2017 before this officially gets released. But good to see that, that Amazon has kind of got a foothold here into the actual TV, smart TV OS market. Um, I, I won't go into details, but I, I talked about it in, in depth in the last episode where I think they, they need to be in this market because Android TV and Roku's OS uh, are, are basically already there. They're on a whole bunch of different TVs. And so Amazon needs to compete on that level, not just on the external box level. So overall, I was very impressed. Uh, can't wait to hopefully get my hands on one of these once they're actually released. And uh, uh, hopefully we'll learn more about that CPU and that GPU. And of course, keep it locked to AFTVnews.com for all the information about these as we learn them. Before getting into the uh, next big CES topic, which is the uh, NVIDIA Shield 2 box that got announced at CES and I got a hands-on with, there are a couple more uh, Fire TV-related topics I want to talk about. Uh, first off, right now it's looking like Amazon might possibly have some production issues with the Fire TV's voice remote. Uh, this is just a hunch and assumption I'm making because uh, basically every bundle, whether it's the Fire TV box or the Fire TV stick or even the Fire TV stick first generation, but every bundle that ships with the Fire TV's voice remote is pretty much currently out of stock. And so the uh, Fire TV's voice remote 
it itself has been out of stock um, I think is since August, you know, it's been a long time and it's pretty unusual for anything that Amazon basically currently selling and actively making uh, for it to be uh, out of stock for this long uh, is, is pretty unusual. And so that's just the first hint that I think uh, why the Fire TV's voice remote is actually having some kind of production issues. So then earlier this week, the Fire TV stick, the second generation Fire TV stick in the US went out of stock. I like to track when the Fire TV and the Fire TV sticks go in and out of stock because that kind of gives us a hint a lot of times at a, a new generation of device being released. And so the Fire TV stick 2 just came out very recently. And so the fact that it's out of stock right now, you know, definitely does not mean that there's going to be a, a new Fire TV stick released soon. You know, there's got to be a another reason why that Fire TV stick is out of stock. And then right after that, within that week, the Fire TV box, the second generation Fire TV box went out of stock. And again, that has the voice remote, whereas the Fire TV gaming edition has not gone out of stock and that does not have the voice remote. Uh, so then I looked at the UK site and the, uh, the Fire TV box 2 is also out of stock there, the one that ships with the voice remote. And the Fire TV stick first generation with a voice remote, you know, that bundle that kind of came out in between the, the first Fire TV stick and the second gen Fire TV stick. It was basically the old hardware with the new remote. That has also completely been removed from Amazon's UK site. So, you know, basically in summary, all bundles that include the voice remote are out of stock right now. Don't know when they're going to be back in stock, but the fact that they're all out of stock and it's all kind of seems to be related to the voice remote uh, makes me think that this is not related to new devices coming out, but rather there's some kind of production issue where either they can't make enough of these or they're having issues making enough or they can't, uh, you know, source the parts or something for the actual voice remotes. So I just wanted to put that out there, let you guys know if you're wanting to buy anything that comes with that voice remote, you should get your orders in sooner rather than later because it looks like it might be a while before those come back into stock. The other thing to keep in mind is that the Fire TV Stick second generation has not been released in the UK yet. And so very likely the next big Amazon Fire TV related release is going to be that second gen stick in the UK. And so if Amazon is having issues with those voice remotes, they're probably going to dedicate all production to that second gen stick in the UK so that they have a smooth and good launch for that device. I'm sure that, you know, they're they're working hard to get that launched in the UK because it's already been out since October in the US and, and you know, there's no reason they should keep it from the UK other than maybe they, you know, having production issues, you know, making enough of them. So yeah, for those wondering, I don't think this is a, a, a next generation uh, Fire TV 3 box, like, you know, coming out next month or anything like that. I think these these low stocks or out of stock uh, for, for the boxes is not going to be related to a next gen device around the corner. It's probably more related to the voice remote itself. All right, lastly, very briefly, before I jump into all of the NVIDIA Shield 2 info that, that I've got, uh, my downloader app, basically the, uh, the my first uh, Android app, my first Fire TV app that I released back in November has now reached 300,000 uh, purchases, quote purchases. I mean, the app itself is free, but Amazon still tracks purchases as their official metric. So that's the only thing I know. I don't know how many people installed it. I don't know how many people downloaded it. I just know how many people hit that basically get button and, and you know, added it to their Amazon account. Uh, so the, the main purpose for mentioning this, other than the fact that, you know, obviously there are people, at least 300,000 of you guys out there who appreciate the app. So uh, I'm really glad people are liking it. Um, 
I wasn't sure when I was going to release it, whether people were actually going to use it because uh, while its main purpose is to sideload apps onto the Fire TV, there are plenty of other ways, other good ways, other easy ways to sideload onto the Fire TV. Um, of course, I'll put links down below to my app, to my guide on how to use the app and all that for any of you who are not familiar with the app. Um, I also made this post specifically to get a uh, Android developer on board, hopefully. Um, I got contacted by one guy, uh, seems really cool, seems like he knows what he's doing. And so he's actually going to work on the next version of the downloader app, mostly because one, I don't have the time myself to work on it. And two, I don't have the skill to work on it. So there are some features that would probably take me you know, easily three times as long as a, a competent, you know, good Android developer would be able to add. Um, so initially he's working on just adding a few small features, uh, a file browser, very basic file access so that you can uh, reinstall files that uh, the downloader app downloads and also let you delete files after you've actually done the installation. So that's one thing I'm having him add. Um, also adding like basic navigation menu to it. That's kind of laying down the framework for some future uh, uh, additions that I have planned for the app. So uh, this next release, you know, once I actually update the app, uh, not going to be a huge change, not going to be any big, massive uh, new features or anything like that, but hopefully just laying down some, some framework for some future updates, some future features uh, I have planned for the app itself. So the second biggest piece of news that came out of CES or the biggest announcement that came out of CES, in my opinion, uh, other than the Fire TV edition televisions that got announced by Amazon, is that NVIDIA has announced finally their new NVIDIA Shield to second generation device. Uh, we were pretty sure this was going to happen at their keynote at CES and sure enough it did. I was there at CES, I was at the keynote itself. My first big keynote that I ever attended, my first CES that I ever attended. So it was pretty cool to see it. Uh, unfortunately, they did not spend that much time on the actual uh, NVIDIA Shield uh, at the keynote itself. You know, NVIDIA spent most of the time talking about all their different uh, autonomous driving cars, CPU devices and all that stuff. And they talked about uh, their gaming platforms and, and all that. And so the NVIDIA Shield was just a small part of that. But I did get the next day uh, a hands-on with the device itself. And so I'll, I'll be able to tell you what I think of it just from my first impressions. So first off, as far as the hardware itself, goes uh, the internals of the second gen nvidia shield tv are actually identical from what they say to the first generation nvidia shield tv so it's got the same horsepower same cpu same gpu pretty much same specs same ram so nothing has changed there the externals have changed slightly so the device itself is a lot smaller they've actually removed the uh, micro sd slot on it it's got two usb 3.0 ports an hdmi 2.0 port a ethernet port and a power port. That's pretty much all you've got on the device itself. Again, it's shrunken down. It's a cheaper plastic case than a metal case like the first gen device. Uh, still has a very fat vent on the very top of it. And so I assume there's still a fan on the inside, but I did not get confirmation while I was there on the fan or not. The uh, game controller itself that actually ships with it. Uh, again, uh, I should mention that the uh, new Nvidia Shield 2, it's gonna cost $200, but this time it's going to ship with both the game controller and the remote control. So the first generation Nvidia Shield TV 
uh, shipped only with the game controller and you had to pay another, I think, $50 for the remote control. Uh, they did have a pretty lengthy promotion where they were actually giving you a free remote control for a while there. I think is because the, the box itself wasn't selling too well with just the game controller because a lot of people just wanted to use it as a streaming box and not as a gaming box. But Nvidia definitely still pushes this as kind of a, an Android gaming console first and a streaming device second, which is why it's got the, the you know, the hefty CPU, hefty GPU and why it's priced at more than double the uh, the Fire TV boxes priced. But going back to the game controller, that pretty much impressed me the most out of everything. Uh, the actual hardware itself, the box itself was, you know, again, same as the old one, just shrunken down a little bit, made out of a little bit cheaper material. But the game controller itself, I think big improvement over the first gen game controller. Uh, a little bit lighter, a little bit sleeker. It kind of has this edginess to it, but it's not like so edgy that it like it's sharp and digs into your hands or anything like that definitely felt great in the hand the controller itself still has a microphone built into it for uh speaking to and doing voice searches with the nvidia shield box one big new addition to the microphone is that it actually has always listening capabilities so if you have the game controller just sitting there close enough to you uh, on a on a coffee table or something, you can use the OK Google command, and the game controller will start to start to listen, and then you can do a search that way without actually having to pick up the controller and press a button or anything like that. So a really nice addition there. Um, I don't expect the game controller to hear you from that far away, but just because it is one microphone there, and so it has to be fairly close to you from from what I was told by the Nvidia guys. You know, so don't expect it to like listen to you the same way like an Amazon Echo listens to you because that has the the array of seven microphones at the top and it was designed to just hear you from anywhere in the room basically whereas this is more designed to just save you the trouble of having to lean over and pick up the game controller and press a button so you can just you know say okay google and search for something or or uh, i'm not quite sure what all the different okay google commands are, are capable of another feature of the game controller that they've added is actually an ir blaster built in uh, that's basically used uh from what i heard from what i was told just to change the volume on your television. So the game controller itself, it still has a very small strip of touch sensitive area. And that's basically only used for volume control. So you can basically swipe up on that area to change, put the volume up or swipe down and put the volume down. I don't know the, the real details there. I don't know if the controller is gonna be able to turn on and off your TV or not. I assume the box itself can do it through the HDMI CEC protocol, but I don't know if the IR capabilities can turn on the TV or not. But they did tell me that the IR and that little swipe area of the game controller can actually um, change the volume of your TV. Uh, the last thing that the game controller has is a microphone jack on the bottom, uh, pretty much just your standard three and a half millimeter uh, headphone jack. Sorry, I said microphone, I meant headphone jack. Uh, so you can just plug into there, have private listening, very similar to the, the Amazon Fire TV's uh, game controller made by Amazon. Uh, the actual remote control that comes with the device, uh, very similar to the first generation, but it does not have the always listening capabilities, does not have a headphone jack or anything like that. Uh, just very basic controller, has a microphone, but you do have to press that record button or the, the microphone button on the remote control. But really nice that, that NVIDIA is including that in the box for that $200 price point. In addition to the actual NVIDIA Shield TV itself, NVIDIA actually announced this little device called the NVIDIA Spot. Uh, and this is most closely resembling to an Echo Dot. 
Um, not quite as capable as an Echo Dot, but uh, what it is basically just this little round orb thing about the size of like a golf ball or something. It has a uh, power outlet plug on the back and it actually plugs directly into a wall socket. And what it has basically just built into it is a microphone and a speaker. And so the point of this thing is to extend the listening capabilities of the Nvidia Shield. So like I was saying, the actual controller itself likely cannot hear you from that far away. You know, it's pretty much designed to just hear you while you're sitting on the couch and the controller is sitting somewhere near you, either right next to the TV or right on the uh, uh, coffee table or something like that. But this little spot speaker microphone thing is meant to plug into anywhere into your house, connects with the Nvidia Shield, and so it lets you basically talk to Google's assistant, you know, using the OK Google command to actually just make commands and get responses from, you know, remotely. And so it itself does not, you know, connect to the internet or anything like it does have to go through the Nvidia Shield to actually do anything. So, you know, in that sense, it's different, very different than the Echo Dot, which just is a standalone device that doesn't have to connect to anything to, to function. There's no external input there's no plugs there's no headphone uh you know three and a half millimeter plug like like the echo dot has so you can't plug in better speakers to listen to music or anything like that it's it's from what i could tell it's pretty much only meant to ask just general questions like what's the weather and and you know any other little general questions you want to ask uh the okay google assistant or if you want to use it to turn on your your smart lights or change the temperature on your smart thermostat that sort of stuff so you know for those of you not into the whole alexa and echo ecosystem and if you plan to pick up an NVIDIA Shield, then, you know, this could be a, a substitute for having, you know, Echo Dots or, or that sort of stuff uh, in, in your house. NVIDIA has not released any information about actual, you know, release date for the uh, NVIDIA Spot yet. I think it's going to cost $50 a piece. So pretty pricey considering the Echo Dot can do uh, so much more than this little Spot can. But hey, if you're into the whole Google, OK Google Assistant ecosystem, then, you know, this thing will probably be up your alley. So that'll pretty much cover it as far as the actual hardware goes for the new nvidia shield tv uh again it's going to be 199.99 i believe or the pre-orders are already available i'll put a link down below if you're interested i did place a pre-order myself i do want to try to cover android tv devices a little bit more often on the site than i i do already so that's why I've, i'm picking up this nvidia shield tv i think it's probably the best android tv box out there it is fairly pricey i mean over twice as expensive as the fire tv 2 box in my opinion, if you're not going to take advantage of the NVIDIA Shield TV's gaming aspects, because it does have a much stronger CPU, much stronger GPU than the Fire TV 2 box, you know, so that's the biggest thing it has going for it, in my opinion. But if you're not going to use that gaming aspect, the Fire TV 2 box is probably still the better buy at, at less than half the price. But, you know, I'm going to try to cover both as much as I can. Um, still going to focus, obviously, on the Fire TVs and the Fire TV and the Amazon, that whole ecosystem. But anytime there's a little bit of a lull or anytime NVIDIA announces something big i'll try to cover it on the site you know so that i can bring in some android tv love into the site also moving on now to the actual os on the nvidia shield tv the actual android tv os uh, not much has changed there again i already talked a little bit about the uh, okay google voice assistant that's pretty much the biggest new feature but the other second big new feature that has been added is now the nvidia shield has an official amazon app uh, officially from amazon it actually comes pre-installed on this new NVIDIA Shield TV2. Uh, most likely, the Amazon app is going to be pushed to the first-generation NVIDIA Shield TVs uh, through a software update. It's likely not going to be available in the official Google Play Store, 
I've talked about why in the past that is not in there. It basically mostly comes down to the fact that if Amazon put their Amazon video app in the official Google Play Store, then that means they have to give Google a 30% cut, or I think it might be down to 15% now. But either way, Amazon would have to give Google a cut of any purchases, any rentals, any Prime membership that was purchased through the Amazon video app if it was in the official Google Play Store. So one way they can get around that is by teaming up with NVIDIA and just having the app pre-installed and shipped with the device or pushed with a software update. So this is kind of their way of getting around basically the, the Google Play Store tax that Google insists that all of their apps that, you know, uh, sell anything digital on on their devices has to pay. So because the OS on the NVIDIA Shield is basically just your standard uh, Android TV OS, I concentrated on the Amazon Video app itself. And the Amazon Video app itself is basically the same app that you may have seen already on um, Sony's Android-based televisions and other smart TVs that come with an Amazon Video app kind of built into them. The uh, Amazon Video app on the NVIDIA Shield itself has the same interface as the previous Fire TV interface. So you've got the little uh, menu on the left side of the screen and all the content is on the right side. Now, if you're watching the video version here, you'll see the interface very similar to the Fire TV's older interface. I don't know if this app is going to get the new Fire TV interface at any time, but uh, I would suspect that's not going to be for quite a while since even Fire TV devices, first-gen Fire TV devices, haven't received that new interface. So I expect those to get that new interface before the smart TVs and this NVIDIA Shield Amazon Video app gets that new interface. But pretty much it's a full-fledged Amazon Video app. Everything that you can basically access through the Fire TV itself, you can access through this Amazon Video app on the NVIDIA Shield TV. That includes all the Prime content. That includes buying and renting movies and videos and, and TV shows. That also includes uh, the Amazon channels. So you can subscribe to HBO, Showtime, and watch that all through this Amazon Video app. So it's pretty much full-fledged. Uh, the interface, the experience itself, you know, navigating around is not as as crispy, not as smooth as the Fire TV's actual interface because it is an app within the actual, you know, other OS, whereas on the Fire TV, it's the OS itself. Um, but definitely, you know, not clunky or anything like that. Just, you know, not as good as a Fire TV, you know. So if you want the best Fire Amazon video experience, definitely still the Fire TV is your best bet there. But, you know, if you're going to pick up one of these NVIDIA Shield TVs for whatever reason and you still want to access your Amazon video content, your Amazon Prime content, uh, this app is definitely sufficient. So, you know, you'll be very happy uh, once you get this app if you are picking up a Shield or if you have the first generation Shield. So as you can see here from the video version, uh, buy buttons are present. Uh, I tried to actually purchase something there on the show floor at CES and it actually told me that there was no payment method set up with, uh, with the actual account that was being used, which was expected. I actually was hoping to get this message just to see where it would direct you, whether it would direct you to the to Google's Android Play Store or whether it would direct you to Amazon itself. And from the error message that popped up, it's directing you to Amazon's website for you to set up your uh, purchasing information, your credit card there. 
So that just kind of shows you that it's bypassing Google's in-app purchase mechanism. And it's going to basically, anything you purchase, anything you rent through the uh, Amazon video app on the Shield TV, it's going to go straight through Amazon. It's not going to have to go through that middleman. And so again, this is how they're getting around that 30 or 15% uh, Google tax, what people are calling it. Uh, the Amazon video app itself does have a search function in there, but voice search from what I could tell is not supported within the Amazon video app. So of course, you're not going to get Alexa in there, but you're not going to just get basic voice search. So you're going to have to use an on-screen keyboard. So this is another reason why uh, this video app from Amazon is not as good as like a Fire TV's interface for Amazon video content. Uh, but again, sufficient. I mean, you can still search for what you want. It still comes up. Uh, you can still do uh, closed captioning, all that stuff. So you still got settings there. Um, I did not notice uh, Amazon video content that you play through the app appearing on the NVIDIA Shield's home screen. So when you play something from within like, I think uh, Netflix on the NVIDIA Shield TV, the content that you watch will pop up on the home screen as something recent, like, you know, when you watch something recent, but I didn't see that happen for Amazon video content. So the integration there with the OS is not present, it seems. This could be related to it not being an official Google Play Store app. Uh, maybe down the line, we'll see better integration there, but you're not gonna be able to basically pick up the the voice remote on the Shield TV and voice search any Amazon content from what I could tell. So that'll pretty much do it as far as the NVIDIA Shield TV goes. Again, nice device. Uh, you know, obviously we already know it's going to have great horsepower because it's got the first generation's hardware and that first generation hardware is more powerful than the Fire TV 2's hardware. So the fact that they're keeping the same hardware internally is not, you know, really a negative thing. So don't think this thing's going to be slow and it has old uh, CPU, old GPU. That's not the case. They pretty much overpowered the first generation uh, Shield TV so that it could play some of those console caliber games that they ported over to it and so that hardware is plenty sufficient still to power this next generation shield tv as far as who i think this is for again i did pre-order one i did pick it up uh, but i'm still going to be using the fire tv most likely as my primary device just because i like that interface better i like alexa better than the uh, okay google stuff it integrates better with my smart home devices personally and the the nvidia shield tv relies on samsung's smart things hub to connect to most of the smart home devices it doesn't have that capability built in yet they're only a very small assortment of smart home things that it can actually connect to just out of the box but i think for for those of you who want the gaming aspect of the nvidia shield or for those of you who want that okay google aspect of the nvidia shield and don't mind paying more than twice the price you know and still want your amazon video content uh, occasionally then I think the Nvidia Shield is probably a pretty good buy for you. All right, let's move on to the Q&A section of the episode. As always on Thursdays, I put a post up asking people to submit their questions for me to try to answer here on the podcast episode. I also take questions live from those of you who are watching the live stream. You can tweet me at AFTV News and I can answer questions there. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and jump right into the first question here from Crixman asking would halted production of the fire tv stick and box increase prices elsewhere so i assume Crixman is talking about the production issues with the voice remote causing the fire tv box and the fire tv stick to be out of stock uh you know just know that they haven't like halted production or discontinued the product or anything like that it's just that i think they are out of stock because they can't make enough of those remotes for whatever reason um as far as that causing prices to increase elsewhere uh, anybody or any company or, or store that is an official uh, reseller or retailer, sorry, 
of the Fire TV box on the Fire TV stick, uh, we're talking about, you know, Best Buy, Staples, Target, those places in the US, they will absolutely not increase the prices of their devices. I'm pretty sure that, you know, they're contractually obligated to basically sell it at retail. I don't think they're going to hike up the price to try to uh, take advantage of low stock or anything like that. Um, where I do expect probably increased prices is uh, the reseller market. You know, there are a lot of people who, who buy Fire TV sticks primarily loaded up with Kodi and piracy apps and all that junk and then slap it on eBay or Craigslist. So if they can't buy their, their supply anymore to resell, I expect maybe they'll increase their prices. But you shouldn't be buying from them anyway because anything they can do with their device, you could do yourself um, basically through most of the guides that I write, except I don't cover any of the, the piracy stuff rightfully. I hope you're not interested in any of that piracy stuff. But yeah, I would expect that no, uh, there won't be an increase in price just because uh, stock is low. All right, next question here is from ML. Uh, they're asking about the Fire TV's voice remote for the Fire TV One. They're saying theirs just stops working all of a sudden. And then after a while, it starts working again. Is wondering if I've experienced that problem. They said they've tried to search online and haven't really found anything about it. Um, probably haven't found anything because that's not really a common problem. I've never experienced it myself. I haven't really heard about it. Uh, I've heard of some people having connection issues here and there, but that's mostly with the second gen remote being on Wi-Fi because it's susceptible to Wi-Fi interference on that 2.4 gigahertz spectrum. But the uh, first gen Fire TV's voice remote is on Bluetooth and that thing is pretty rock solid. So if you're having connection issues, I would suspect there's actually some something wrong with the actual hardware itself of your remote. And so I would contact Amazon. Hopefully they'll ship you a replacement uh, at no cost if you're lucky. Our next question here is from Mark M asking uh, if I know when the Fire TV One will get the new UI and some of those newer features. Uh, also asking if I know when the Amazon app on Xbox One will get updated. Um, uh, for the new UI, uh, first generation devices, Fire TV One and Fire TV Stick One, they have not started rolling out the new UI for those devices yet. Amazon did say it's going to come later, you know, after the second gen devices receive that UI. And so at this point, pretty much all second gen devices have received the new interface. And so I, I don't know exactly. They haven't announced when specifically it's going to happen or when that update is going to start rolling out to the first gen devices but i would guess that it's going to be fairly soon uh, just this week amazon uh, updated all of their developer documentation uh, that's the documentation that they have for developers to make apps for the fire tv they just did a big update of their developer website and updated all of their articles to reflect the new interface so you know uh, different guides they have for developers, different tips they have for developers. All of that has now been updated to to talk about the new interface, not the old one. So I imagine since they just did that big overhaul of their developer sites that, you know, the new interface is going to start rolling out fairly soon, hopefully, for all of the first-gen devices. Uh, as far as the Amazon app on Xbox One, I'm sorry, I don't know anything about that. All right, next question here from Cloxy asks, do you still have plans to do some testing of the Mi Box? Ooh, the Mi Box. <laughs> um, so let me tell you what happened with the Mi Box. So I, I picked up the Mi Box and I, I did that big post, or not a big post, but I made a post on the site asking people to let me know what they want me to do with this thing, what they want me to compare, what they want me to test on it. I got a huge response there. And then pretty much right after that happened, the Fire TV Stick 2 came out and that kind of took all of my time. Um, I did go back to the Mi Box and I did some initial testing there and I actually was pretty shocked that the Mi Box 
is a fairly crummy device. <laughs> like it's not as good as I thought it would be. I was hoping it would be like a good Android TV competitor to the Fire TV. And so I was gonna hope I was hoping to use the Mi Box as my Android TV expansion, which I'm now actually planning to do with the new Nvidia Shield 2, which I've pre-ordered. But just because that box was not that impressive, I just decided not to to cover it in, in big detail. Uh, one of the other things I was planning to do is that I was expecting, I was hoping that the Nvidia Shield 2 or the Nvidia Shield TV 2 was going to come out before Christmas, which was right around when the Mi Box and the Fire TV Stick 2 came out. So I thought that would be perfect. I would have the Shield 2, the Mi Box, the Fire TV Stick 2, and the Fire TV 2, and basically make those my four primary comparison devices and, and do a whole bunch of articles based around that. But as you guys know, the NVIDIA Shield 2 did not come out or was not announced until last week and is not going to be released until mid-January or so. So I still plan on covering the Mi Box a little bit alongside the NVIDIA Shield 2, but I don't plan to do any dedicated Mi Box specific, you know, comparisons or specs. It'll probably be just a general Shield and Mi Box and Android TV compared to the Fire TV and, you know, do some testing there. And, you know, if I do any guides or anything like that for the NVIDIA Shield TV 2, I'll probably try it on Mi Box also and, and include that in my coverage. But that's pretty much what happened with the Mi Box. That's why I made that post and I got all that feedback and I never really wrote anything about it. I never really did anything about it. It itself was just not that good of a box in my opinion and, you know, just does not merit, you know, big wide scale coverage on the site. All right, next question we got here is from HDMKV. They ask, do you have any info as to whether Amazon plans to add the over-the-air integration capabilities demoed on the Fire TV integrated TVs to their set-top boxes? It would be great to use HD home run devices or USB tuners with the Amazon Fire TV sticks or boxes, hopefully with DVR capabilities at some point. Uh, that's a great question there from HDMKV. Uh, I've actually been asked that question quite a bit now ever since Amazon announced those Fire TV Edition televisions. I asked the Amazon reps there at CES. They could not answer. They, they didn't know whether the Fire TV was going to re receive uh, external tuner support or network tuner support or anything like that. I've kind of reached out to some of my sources also. Um, the consensus is right now it's still up in the air it seems. Um, but I wouldn't expect if it does come, if that support does come for either USB tuner support or actual like network tuners like the HD Home Run, if that support does come to the Fire TV boxes or the Fire TV sticks, I would not expect it to come until late, late this year because those TVs themselves are probably not going to be available until like middle of 2017-ish. You know, it's still very early. The general feeling I got from the TVs being at CES is that they were kind of just a little bit rushed for CES. They just wanted to present it and show it off at CES, but they're not really ready to like, you know, flip the production switch and then start pumping them out and selling them next month or anything like that. They just, because CES is such a big TV centered show, you know, a lot of big TV announcements happen at CES. It seemed like Amazon wanted to get the Amazon TVs, the Fire TV Edition TVs announced at CES because that's like, that's the show where you do it. And so even though they got announced, you know, earlier this month in January, I suspect they're not going to be available for quite a while. And if Amazon does add these over the air capabilities to the Fire TV and the Fire TV stick and box, uh, I don't think it's going to happen before the TVs themselves hit the market. So again, don't know. There's no official word whether it's going to come to the box or the TVs. 
I would lean towards no, it not coming, at least not during this generation. Maybe at the end of this year, hopefully if we see a Fire TV 3, maybe that will have this built in and have that support built in for something like the HD Home Run or USB tuners. Don't know for sure. Amazon, again, hasn't said anything. We don't even know if there's a Fire TV 3 in the horizon. Like I said in my previous podcast episode, I predict that there will be a Fire TV box three released this year a next gen fire tv box i think it's going to be late in the year probably in that october to december time period you know don't hold your hopes on these over-the-air capabilities coming to the fire tv anytime soon you know i'll just leave it at that all right next question here is from alfredo rodriguez he's asking about how to determine the url of a specific apk uh, specifically to use with my downloader app uh, there's no real like solid way to do it. Uh, basically, you just have to find the APK file that you want to install hosted somewhere online. Ideally, it needs to be a uh, direct URL, direct link to the APK file. A lot of the file hosting services like Mediafire, uh, those kinds of things, they don't give you direct links to the actual file itself. You have to actually load a website and that website will then trigger the download. But that only works on a browser. It doesn't work through my downloader app. You know, for the most part, if you're sideloading something that the developer themselves are offering, you know, as an APK download, you can usually find a link on the developer's website. Kodi, SPMC, those are pretty much the most popular apps that get sideloaded onto the Fire TV through my downloader app. And both of those have direct links provided by the developers themselves. Your only other option really is to look at other services like... Um, uh, APK Mirror is a site that hosts a lot of APK files. Uh, Boy Bullocks here has commented saying Aptoid is another service that hosts APK files. But there again, you're probably going to have to download it locally on your PC and then host it yourself so that it works with my downloader app. Another service that I sometimes use is the Evozi downloader, evozi.org, I believe is the website. If you just Google Evozi downloader, you'll find it. It's basically a service where you can put in a uh, Google Play Store URL. And if the app is free, it will basically try to retrieve it for you and actually provide you a link there. Again, I don't think those links work with my downloader app because my downloader app needs a direct link. Um, um, but that's one of the features I'm hoping to add in the future is to actually actually add the ability for my downloader app to work with some of these file hosting sites that require an actual browser to actually download the, the files themselves. But through that, you can actually download APKs, hopefully directly to your PC, and then maybe host it somewhere there for use with my downloader app. Next question here is from DR saying, is there any way for the Fire TV to report its metrics, such as what's displayed in the system x-ray bar uh, using SNMP? Uh, SNMP is like a network protocol that I, I believe system administrators use to actually get information from a device that's on a network. Um, I'm almost positive that the Fire TV does not have any kind of SNMP capabilities built into it, especially not ones that will give you... Um, information from that system x-ray bar now the system x-ray bar is like a, a bar that appears you can make up here on the top of the fire tv's interface that gives you information like cpu usage ram usage uh, bandwidth usage that sort of stuff now, i'll put a link down below to the x-ray bar and how you can launch it and how you can access it for those of you who are not familiar with it but yeah sorry dr i don't know anything about snmp the only thing i would imagine is if there are some apps you can sideload that can add that capability but even then, I don't expect you to get much really in-depth information from the Fire TV itself through those apps. All right, next question here is from Graeme Oxley says, any news on Alexa coming to the Fire TVs in the UK? 
Um, there has been no official word from Amazon uh, as far as that goes. I do suspect that Alexa is going to come to the Fire TVs eventually, obviously, because Alexa has launched in the UK officially on the Amazon Echo, on the Echo Dot. Those two devices are available in the UK. And so you expect that Alexa is going to come to the Fire TVs. Something I've actually heard is that the Alexa back end that is used by the Echo and the Echo Dot is very different than the one used by the Fire TV. And that is why Alexa has not launched on the Fire TVs in the UK yet. It's not just as simple as, oh, Alexa is available on the Echo. So now just flip a switch and make it available. Uh, on the Fire TVs for those devices to tap in. Um, there's actually a lot more there, it seems, for the Fire TVs to use Alexa in the UK than just for the uh, external you know, Echo devices to use Alexa in the UK. So again, there's no official word from Amazon, but I suspect in the next few months, you know, between, I don't know, now and definitely I would expect by the middle of 2017, I definitely expect Alexa to come to the Fire TVs in the UK, but we don't know anything solid. Uh, it just seems like there's a lot more to it than it seems for Fire TVs in the UK to get Alexa. Next question is from Jim. He's asking if there's any way to set his uh, Fire TV Box 2 to automatically install apps onto the micro SD card. He says he's tired of having to manually move new apps that he installs over to the micro SD card every time. Uh, unfortunately, no, there is not. So uh, by default, or actually not by default, Amazon actually allows the app developer themselves to specify whether their app should be installed on the micro SD card slot by default or whether it should be installed on the internal storage by default. I believe if the developer themselves does not specify, Amazon will automatically install the app on the micro SD card slot. But any developer that specifies to install on internal storage, that's basically what the Fire TV will do. It'll do what the developer has told the app to do. So there is no option, unfortunately, on the box itself for you, the user, to actually select where apps install by default. It's up to the developer and then Amazon themselves will select it. Jim is also asking if I have a direct link for him to download my downloader app as an APK file because he wants to sideload it onto his NVIDIA Shield. Uh, I have posted the link before. I believe it was when the app got pulled from Amazon. In that post, I posted a link uh, to download it directly. It's still live right now. So I'll, I'll put a link. I'll put that link down in the show notes for anybody who wants to install my downloader app or sideload it onto some device other than a Fire TV. Lastly, Jim is asking if it's safe to update his OS and then root his Fire TV 2. Uh, absolutely not, because the latest software version, the 5.2.4.0 software version for the Fire TV 2 is not rootable. So if your device is not on that latest version, you should absolutely go to my starters guide, go to aftvnews.com start it'll ask you what software version is on your device. It'll tell you how to root it. And then it'll tell you how to update safely to the latest version without losing root. So absolutely, if you're wanting to root your device and it's not on that latest software version, you should not update over the air because you cannot currently root the latest 5.2.4.0 software update. Jim is also asking if uh, the Fire TV 2 is not rooted, is it safe to update to the latest OS uh, without losing sideloaded apps like Kodi? Uh, absolutely safe. Um, updating the software version on a device does not affect the data on it. It does not affect your app settings, does not affect side-loaded apps, does not affect any of the apps or anything that you've customized on the device. That only affects the actual operating system. And so it updates that. And then all of your settings, all of your apps, everything, even the ones that have been side-loaded, 
all still remain on the device itself. Our right, next question is from Tony. He says, I'm looking to upgrade my first gen Fire TV to a Xiaomi Mi Box. However, I'm not sure whether the CPU on the Mi Box is better than the one on the Fire TV. Is the Mi Box any better than the Fire TV in terms of processing power? Would be great to hear your advice. Uh, my advice personally is do not upgrade from the Fire TV box to the Mi Box. Um, really the only advantage the Mi Box has over the first gen Fire TV is the 4K capabilities. Um, horsepower wise, it's actually weaker than the Fire TV first generation box. Um, the Mi Box itself is actually closer to the second generation Fire TV stick as far as raw horsepower goes. Uh, the first gen Fire TV in most aspects will outperform the Mi Box itself. Uh, this is from my just very initial testing. I didn't spend too much time on it just because I was surprised at how kind of crummy the Mi Box was. Um, again, really the only thing it has going for it is if you want 4K capabilities at a fairly inexpensive price, um, you know, at only, I think, $69, the Mi Box is pretty decent in that aspect just for streaming 4K. But if you're planning to do other stuff on it, if you're plan planning to do gaming, if you're planning to do a lot of heavy like Kodi or if you have a big app library and that sort of stuff, I would stick with the first gen Fire TV box and wait to see what comes out from Amazon. Uh, potentially what comes, you know, the Nvidia Shield box. I mean, it's a lot more expensive. It's twice the price. And so I would definitely consider upgrading to the Shield TV or waiting to see what Amazon releases before going with the Mi Box personally. Our right, next question is from Hawker W. He says, thanks for the great coverage of CES. He asks, have you heard anything about Shield getting Alexa? And he links to some article. I haven't seen this article. I'll definitely be checking it out afterwards. But I did, while at CES, hear some little little talking little rumors about uh, Alexa coming to the actual Shield TV boxes. Uh, Alexa is is open. There's a, an API for it. Any hardware manufacturer can actually build Alexa capabilities into their device. So I would not be shocked. I would not be surprised. I almost expect the Shield TV to gain Alexa capabilities. Uh, if it does gain those abilities, it's not going to be as tightly integrated as you find on the Fire TV, that's for sure. But it will be, you know, fairly basic. You know, you'll be able to ask Alexa questions. You'll probably be able to use Alexa to control smart home devices, that sort of stuff. So I think it's going to be a very nice addition if NVIDIA does add it. And I think they'd be crazy not to add it because... It's it's available there. Their hardware can support it. It just takes, you know, the software engineers time to actually, you know, build it in there. Uh, so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we do see Alexa come to the NVIDIA Shield TV. All right, that will conclude the 68th episode of the AFTV Newscast. Thank you so much for watching. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, please click through YouTube. Hit that like button on the YouTube page. It really helps my channel, really helps my uh, YouTube channel grow. Uh, please subscribe to my YouTube channel if you enjoy my content, if you enjoy getting more of my content. Again, that really helps me out also of course the podcast is also available in audio formats only if you're not available to watch the video version you can subscribe through pretty much every podcast client if you just search for AFTV news or AFTV newscast it'll come up there you can hit subscribe and get just the audio version sent to your your phone or tablet or whatever you're using and just listen on the go while you're driving all that good stuff really appreciate those subscriptions also I hope you enjoyed my CES coverage I know I really only talked about the two big things that uh, I think are most relevant to the site, the Fire TV Edition televisions and the NVIDIA Shield 2 box. But really, there's not too much that is that relevant to AFTV news. Um, there were a few other things I saw. There was like a, a Mohu was creating this um, kind of 
streaming and over-the-air antenna box thing all-in-one that is going to work with the Fire TV. Uh, basically, Mohu is a uh, antenna manufacturer primarily, but now they're going to create this little box uh, similar to the Tableau, similar to the HD Home Run, where it's a box that has a network cable on the back and it also has Wi-Fi capabilities. So it connects to your network and then you install their Fire TV app. It's not released yet, but you would install their Fire TV app that would get installed on the Fire TV and then you can access over-the-air channels through their app. Uh, I looked at that very briefly. I didn't get to demo it on the Fire TV. They didn't have that app ready just yet, but that looked interesting. Um, also, another thing that I saw interesting at CES, I know this is an odd place to be talking about this, but I just want to do a, a quick roundup of a couple things that I didn't mention in the actual podcast because I didn't write articles about them. But there's a company called LinkPlay, and what they do is basically they have software that other speaker manufacturers can integrate into their speaker. And what LinkPlay does is it allows basically any speaker to become like an Amazon Echo. So they add Alexa capabilities to any speaker. And the nice thing is that whether the speaker is like a, a tap to talk speaker or an always listening speaker it works either way with this link play app and one of the really nice features of it is that um, speakers that have the link play capabilities they work with each other even if they're from different manufacturers because the software all talks together and so you can actually link together and sync audio across different link play speakers using Alexa you know, which is something you can't do on the Amazon Echo. So you can't actually use Alexa to talk to a link play speaker to sync things, but you can use Alexa, start playing some certain type, some music, a playlist, an album or whatever, and then using the link play app, start another speaker that you have that has the link play capabilities to actually start, you know, syncing with that one that you started using Alexa. Uh, I know it might sound a little confusing, but it was a very nice, cool thing. Definitely, if you're looking at buying some speakers other than what Amazon is making with the Echo brand, uh, look at to see if it has the link play capabilities because it was, it was a pretty nice little demo that I saw at CES. So that'll pretty much do it as far as my CES coverage and as far as this podcast episode. Thank you again so much for watching and for listening to the episode and hope to see you next week. 